Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're in the doghouse, or maybe I should say you're in the big yard around the doghouse because there's a lot going on in Bulldog country with women's basketball underway, men's basketball about to tip it off on Wednesday night in Chicago, and of course, uh, what's going on with Bulldog football is they head to Texas A&M and stare down the barrel of a season-closing stretch that will determine whether or not they're bowl eligible for 14th straight year. This is the Believe Podcast Network, and I'm your host, David Murray. And in advance, I will tell you uh, to please give me forgiveness because my throat has gotten kind of scratchy the last couple of days. Uh, I loathe winter in all sorts of um, emotional and religious reasons, but when it turns cold and the ragweed starts drifting through, you just do what you got to do. And I've got the cup of water right here, hopefully to get me through this podcast. And by the way, at the end of my little ranting section, we'll have Coach Zach Arnett's full Monday press conference. We did not record the two coordinators on our phone, uh, giving you a change of pace on that. And we're embarrassed to admit that we didn't hit the record button for our Coach Chris Jans Monday when he had his first in-season press conference. Totally on us. All bad. Sorry about it. Won't make that mistake again. Because Bulldog basketball? Well, let's turn to that one first. Uh, They have not yet played, even though the season opened up on Monday all around the country, both men and women. But they're on the road. In fact, tonight, as I'm recording this on Tuesday, they are in Chicago getting ready to play in the Barstool Invitational. They're going up against Arizona State and SEC versus Pac-12, at least uh, Pac for now 12. What are they really, Pac-9 at this point? I, you know, all that's moot as of next season. Uh, we know how much conference reaffiliation is going to impact football, but I don't think the full implications for basketball and other sports have been felt quite yet, particularly for those specific sports schools that are going to have to travel a long way to play their baseball and softball games. Well, regardless, basketball is in the Windy City, getting ready for a 8 o'clock Central Time, um, somewhere around there, because they follow a game that starts at 6 o'clock, so probably going to run a little bit late. Broadcast is on Barstool TV. I have no idea what that is. I apologize to my good friend Brandon Walker, but uh, can't say I've ever tuned in on that. As a matter of fact, I can't say I've tuned into a whole lot lately because it's been that kind of hectic here with all the things going on around me. Uh, the news, of course, out of Monday's press conference is that State will still be without Tolu Smith. Um, got a little bit of an update on there. Coach Jan said it's probably going to be mid-January, at least what the trainers and doctors are saying, although we kind of get some inside vibes that maybe it'll be more like early January and in time for SEC season. Stay tuned on that one because you definitely want your best player, who, by the way, this week was nominated to the Naismith Award watch list. He's already on the Malone Award watch list as well. See how that plays out. Of course, State is still without Sean Murphy, who will not be activated until mid-December with his own injury. And a little bit of a surprise there, Shaquille Moore will not make the trip or play in Saturday's game, as we understand. Of course, Jans only mentioned the first game, but apparently it's going to be a two-game suspension. And those of you who have seen video from what happened outside Davis Wade Stadium following Saturday night's game, well, you probably haven't a good idea why that's going to happen. And let's just say that Bulldog basketball was lucky that only Moore got uh, tagged for what was going on in that mess out there. Uh, If you want to, you can go to the Mississippi State site itself, the university site, I mean, because Mississippi State has issued a statement about what happened after the game and 
a stronger law enforcement presence in the remaining home games and the future going ahead. And by the way, let me stress, that falls upon the campus, Starkville Police, and others because the athletic department does not have any control over the tailgating, the traffic flows, things like that. And as it turns out, I'm not even sure anybody could have controlled what suddenly took place out there. It's just, it's just the times we live in, says the old fart here talking on the air. Anyway, Shaquille Moore will not be playing in the first two games. And in his absence, um, State will still be able to run a decent backcourt out there and probably get some more minutes for from some freshmen and transfers as well. But then that's the future of this program anyway. Replacing Smith and Murphy, well, they've had several weeks, a month really, to plan for that. It's just going to be down to Cam Matthews to just raise his game and step up and be a physical force, uh, maybe a little undersized in some sense. But, you know, realistically, that's college basketball now. Not many teams go with a true post player anymore. So a guy like Cam, who's proven he can rebound in traffic, play defense against bigger guys than he, and more importantly, smaller guys than he, should be able to get a few things done defensively, make things tougher, and you know how much Chris Jans loves the defense. Which is one reason why Bulldog fans have fallen in love with Chris Jans and his program. This year, though, they expect the scoring to come, and when you see guys like Josh Hubbard and others lighting it up in both the Summer Portugal Tour and the exhibition down at Southern Miss, which they won by six points, and let's not underrate that win. Southern Miss is a two-time conference defender out there on their home court with all the energy and emotion to knock off one of the hated in-state programs. Uh, Bulldogs just took care of business, even shorthanded as they were, with Tolu watching uh, one leg on a scooter and the other one trying to support himself while he cheered his team on. And Austin Point signed a whole lot of autographs after the game. That was one of the more encouraging aspects of it, was to see how many kids just wanted to get an autograph or take a picture with these Bulldogs. It says much about the relationships that Jan's team is already building. Of course, Sam Purcell's team has built those relationships. Women's basketball, yeah, admittedly, they have it a little bit easier. Not quite the same security concerns as men's teams do around the country, but I said it on one of our recent football videos trying to preview the start of basketball season. Just a reminder, basketball is fun again in Humphrey Coliseum, which reopened last night as Purcell's team took a, I believe, what, 35-point victory over Alcorn State. They gave up some like 16 points the first graph half and then got their own offense really in gear the second half uh, despite some turnovers and some uh, mistakes maybe trying to work a new lineup together just a good opening act for the lady bulldogs who are playing again this weekend i believe friday the bulldogs after they finish with this barstool event return home for a saturday opener in the hump uh, the time has changed uh, Keep up with that because Bulldog football is playing at 6.30 out in College Station. Myself, Steve Robertson, Justin Frommer, we will be in Texas A&M for it, so we're looking to our support staff to give full coverage of the game in the hump. Yes, football still takes priority no matter what the circumstances. I said that basketball is fun again. Uh, it'll be even more fun with some scoring, but uh, Jans, if any coach here is going to handle the absence for at least a month and a half, maybe more, of his best all-around player in Tolu and handle some early-season disciplinary issues, it's going to be him. The Bulldogs will get in the right frame of mind, uh, some attitudes will be adjusted, and they'll be ready to hit the rest of the schedule. 
it's a good game against Arizona State. Uh, in fact, I would be surprised if the Sun Devils aren't favored in some quarters because they're a team that's loaded with transfers. They're from a basketball-heavy region as well, and they're going to come in wanting to knock off an SEC team, not because we're almighty in basketball, but just because everybody hates the SEC no matter what the sport. Hey, we earned it. The point being, too, that Jans addresses, and that's another reason I wish I had been able to successfully record it, the hit the red button on your phone, dummy, is that he explained, too, that yes, they could have waited until the weekend to open at home, but they just felt that playing on the road was a good way to get some points in the net rankings, which could bear great benefits come next March when it's tournament time selection, as well as the fact that they get out on the road for their first test, they just have themselves, and now with a few things to shake off, that's probably the best thing for them as well. So tune in Wednesday night to Barstool TV or Mississippi State will have the live broadcast with Neil Price and crew as they're broadcasting from Chicago. All right, that's a brief introduction to basketball. Let's turn to football. Even if you don't particularly want to at this point, we have to because after the loss to Kentucky, well, what's to say? When your only positive takeaways from that first game is seeing a true freshman who State has waited a long time to get on the field this year. And by the way, he would have played in probably any of the three games previous to now, but he injured a throwing hand thumb in a practice injury. I believe he hit a helmet, and that was during open date. Talk about awful timing because that's when Will Rogers went down. He Rogers could be available this weekend, at least uh, his coaches, Coach Barbet and Coach Arnett, are talking rather optimistically. But frankly, I expect either Mike Wright or Chris Parson to start. In fact, if I had to put some money on it, and I don't, trust me, you, if you've seen my predictions for games against the spread here on the website, you know why you don't want to take my predictions to any sort of bank. And I don't even mean a crypto bank at this point. If I had, though, to make a call, I would say State probably starts Mike Wright, gets a series or two, and then puts Parson out there, just let him watch a little bit, get whatever jitters out, and then go out on the field and just try to make plays against a very, very good Aggie defense. Now, the Aggies have a little bit of film on Parson to look at, and they can see a guy who still is not entirely over that high school knee injury. Remember, this past Saturday night on Scott Field was his first action since tearing up a knee in high school, and he was entirely limited in spring, unable to run at all. He got some preseason work where, in limited showings, he had some nice footwork, and then, of course, he hurt his thumb on top of all that, but... All of that's being shoved aside, and here's a guy with a good sense of what's going on already. I mean, what else can I say? And twice, once he got in the game, he noticed immediately that there weren't enough Bulldogs on the field or the play was too slow being signaled in. And instead of just uh, waiting and watching, he got a little aggressive in his gesticulating towards the bench and towards his coaches saying, let's go, let's get moving on this. That's the kind of take charge attitude you want out of a quarterback, period. To see it from a freshman, uh, that's kind of encouraging. No, it's not kind of encouraging. It's just flat-out encouraging. Now, is he ready to go out and win SEC games? I don't think so, simply because, A, he's going to be playing a really good defense this week, and A&M knows this is a kid who has not faced true pressure and will tend to run around, as he showed against Kentucky. And, by the way, uh, Coach Arnett made that comment that when you, 
it's, it's nice to extend plays, but you get to a point of no return where extending the play only sets you up for a bigger hit or an intentional grounding call. He got away with a couple of those, but you saw that uh, he's still looking for something that's not quite there. Oh, how I wish the officials had not been so touchy on Stephen Lasoya, whose extra effort netted a roughing penalty on down at the goal line. If Parson has first and five, maybe Mississippi State puts a touchdown up on the board, and who knows what that does for Parson's confidence, for the offense's confidence, everybody's confidence at this point. Well, what matters more is putting up touchdowns earlier and in the red zone. I commented to Barbet after we turned off the mic session. I said, now, you know you haven't scored a touchdown in any SEC first quarter. And he nodded and said, yep, we know. And I said, and you've only scored three points, period. Nodded again at Auburn, a field goal. This offense is incredibly slow starting for all sorts of reasons. But even when Will Rogers was in there, it just did not get off to fast starts. Sure, you can say Alabama and LSU had something to do that. But there was no reason in the world to come out slowly against South Carolina. And frankly, there was not any reason in the world to come out slowly against Auburn, even with Mike Wright starting. Well, now we have three starts in the books for Wright, and it's pretty clear he's good with the feet. He's not so good making decisions when he has time to think about it. And that's why his ideal role is as a substitution, short yardage, goal line type quarterback, where there's no decision to make. You take the ball and you just go, just plain go. That's what he's good at. And there's a role for that. But first, you got to get down there. In fact, I'm a little surprised that maybe they didn't put right in for that last chance to score a style points touchdown against Kentucky. But in the bigger picture, it makes more sense to have run Parson out there, especially after the penalty moved it back to, what, the 18-yard line? Well, there you are. What would I do? Yeah, I would probably get right out there because A&M's going to have, if not a full house, certainly a pretty well stock stadium. They're going to be rowdy, a 6.30 start for them. And uh, that's kind of a tense fan base as well, because when you're staring down the triple barrels of a $62 million or so dollar buyout of a coach that is increasingly unpopular, and you've got a quarterback who is practicing this week on sore ribs after the Ole Miss loss, you just don't know what kind of mood they're going to be in. If Mississippi State should, could, come out and deliver a couple of shots early. Uh, but I can stop right there because they haven't done it yet. This would be a heck of a good time to start it because I think A&M could be vulnerable at this point. And that's a crowd that, uh, despite all their passion, and boy, do they have it, you could still turn against them, especially in the evening when they've had a chance to lubricate a little bit. Yeah, A&M doesn't get quite the respect, if that's the word for it, that maybe LSU does for their pre-pouring for games. But those folk know how to live it up on game day. So just give them a reason to be unhappy with the coach and uh, how many top 10, top 5 recruiting classes assemble that roster. Realistically, the Aggies are, as I said, really good on defense. They're going to come after either Wright with his limited skill set or they're just going to come after a Parson who they don't know much about other than he's young. So let's just attack him all out. We don't know about Woody Mark's availability. Uh, so follow us on Gene's page where Steve and I will be filing, Justin as well. Uh, he'll give you a participation list as best he can during the course of warm-ups, and we'll be updating who is out there. Rodgers did warm up this past weekend, but only in the initial part when it came out for the real quarterbacks. 
it was again Wright, Jake Weir, and Parson. I expect them. And by the way, Parson was warming up with Lasoya, who is the number two center. That was kind of our tip off that the time was about to come, and indeed it did, although for all the wrong reasons. Defensively, I thought the dogs played a solid game against. Uh, Kentucky. They played a pretty good second half. Yes, Auburn probably dialed it back some in their second half with a three-touchdown lead against a team that had shown no propensity to score points. Still, you think the dog defense at this late stage in the season is starting to figure some things out. And if Adam's passing game is not really on target, well, one thing they've done well in recent weeks is, if not shut down, at least kind of keep a grip on the running game. But again, it comes down to scoring points. The Bulldogs are, let's see, last in yardage. They're now last in overall scoring, or next to last. I forget what the latest SEC stats were I looked at this morning. And most concerning to me, they're dead last in third down conversion potential. So what does that mean for the remainder of the season? Well, you don't need to be a message board. I was going to use the word genius, but there ain't any of them out there. Some take the title, but I'm sorry. (laughs) It's uh, it's awfully easy for everybody to vent and say for sure what's going to be done because they don't have to answer for it. Us professionals, we got to be a little more guarded about it. But let's just say that uh, we're keeping our eyes and our ears open as to what's going on with the administration so far. Now remember, Mississippi State can still get bowl eligible. Yes, it's it's a longer shot. You, I thought they had to beat Auburn to get that six win because they expect to beat Southern Miss and heaven help us if we manage to throw that game away. That would be a total, utter collapse for the program in all sorts of aspects, plus for this Jones County boy, a little bit more than I can handle because, uh, well, I was at that 1980 game on campus when the Bulldogs got routed on homecoming by Reggie Collier and Sammy Weiner and those people, and that team went on to beat Alabama. Well, this is not anywhere near the same Southern Miss, but you know they're going to sell out their souls under Coach um, Will Hall to be the best they can be. And there's several former dogs and former Rebels as well who've used the transfer portal to go down to Southern Miss. But we're looking ahead a week. Uh, I'm going to post a list. I should be up about uh, 8 o'clock on Wednesday morning. Yes, I've already gone into the APR angle. Yeah, I'm big just because I can. <laughs> just because, why not? Mississippi State is tied for 19th in APR among college football programs. Of those 19, or actually 21 teams, because of the ties, a three-way tie at 19, 10 of them are already bowl eligible. I believe, let's see, five of them have five wins and are right there getting ready to go bowl eligible at some point this season, just one more win. So Mississippi State could, at 5-7, and seven, still make it if there are unfilled bowl slots. And by the way, the assumption that James Madison and Jacksonville State will get some of those empty bowl bids, not right now. The NCAA seems to have held to their stance that these are the rules. They made the rules years ago. You knew the rules when you came up to this division. We're not going to change it because if we change it, then there are no more rules. You can argue whether that's good, bad, and different. I'm kind of hoping they don't, just because it may leave State a slot for bowl eligibility at five games. Heck yes, I'd go to the bowl game, even at five wins, even if the State gets romped in the Egg Bowl, which I'm certainly all will be predicting, whatever happens. And even if there's a, well, you you know where I'm going to go from that angle. We'll let that slide just right now. 
let's just say that we're staying in touch as best we can with this new athletic administration as well as the folk across campus who make the ultimate decisions. So we're going to play that out. But let's just also say everybody involved would breathe a huge sigh of relief because all decisions will be taken off their plate with a win this Saturday. Because then you're going to beat Southern Mississippi, you're going to be bowl eligible normally, and then you have a chance to charge into December recruiting. Remember, the portal opens on December 5th. The signing days are December 20-22. Mississippi State is clearly going heavy JUCO this year because, as a staff member said, sure, they could go out and sign nothing but high school players and end up with a well-rated class because that's just how it works. But that would be a team that, when you have so many seniors this year and so many juniors and others who are probably going to transfer out, you'd be even worse off than before if you went just high school next year. And as far as transfer portal, by the way, I did say it opens on the Monday after the SEC championship game. About this time is when you start seeing guys who can't wait go into social media and just announcing to all the world that they're looking for something else somewhere. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. It just is the reality you deal with at this point. So let's just go to A&M and see if the Bulldogs can pull it off and really ease the pressure on everybody. If not, well, things will get even more intense than usual. And my only editorial comment on this will be, if Mississippi State makes a change, going back to Dan Mullins last year, that would mean in 2024 there would be a fifth head coach in eight years. Please tell me how that implies any sort of stability within a program. Yes, the death of Mike Leach was an outlier, and it certainly put Mississippi State in the jam it's in because they needed to be a quick promotion. I had somebody suggest why didn't they go with an interim coach this year, and I just dismissed it out of hand saying, you have no clue how teams operate. It sounds good on paper. It's awful in reality. But at this point, it's you're in the normal cycle. Schools make decisions faster and faster. And we're going to see what happens. And now I better not say anything else at this point because I don't want to put too much weight on something. But we're working on it. Just take that. Steve, myself, Mike Nemeth, and others, we're working on this because everything's in play. But then again, everything's been in place so many times in recent years with Bulldog football, it's almost become standard operating procedure, and we just keep chugging along as we will chug on to Texas A&M this weekend. So that's our doghouse uh, rant and rave for this Tuesday evening. I'm going to go take another Benadryl and try to knock myself out because the, the drainage and the snorting have gotten a little bit annoying, not just to me, but certainly to everybody around me. And then just try to crash and sleep because I don't expect to get a whole lot of Z time in the coming couple of weeks. Take that for what it is absolutely worth or worthless. All right, let's hear from Coach Zach Garnett, his comments on Monday about his own team, about A&M matchup, and mostly not a lot of questions were asked because at this point, really, what is there to ask that is revolving the football team? No, you don't ask the head coach what he thinks about his job security at this point. You give it a little longer out of respect, at least us professionals do. I don't know what the web world thinks anymore. I'm not sure there's any respect out there, but hey. I also think that when fans are paying the prices they are for tickets, for parking, for concessions, for fan club memberships, and contributing to name, image, and likeness, 
I, I just have to say that I can understand why patience runs a whole lot thinner than it has in all these years before. But that's to settle in the future for right now. Here's Coach Zach Arnett. This has been The Doghouse with your host, David Murray, on the Believe Podcast Network. And if you like what you hear, or you don't really like it, but you appreciate what we pass along to you, give us a like on Apple Podcasts. How about it? All right, let's go to Zach Arnett. Yeah, good afternoon. Uh, I'll head back on, on the road the college station, uh, facing a very, very good football team. Uh, obviously, really good players and really good schemes to to complement that and go with it. And so, uh, certainly, I'm going to be a challenging game. Have to match their physicality. Um, but as I as I said to the team, coming off a uh, Saturday night, obviously uh, you know, disappointed with the result, but that we competed very hard, played with great effort, intensity, uh, passion. We just need to we need to execute a little bit better and make a few more plays. I mean, that is the difference between winning and losing. And so if we can continue to play with that level of competitive spirit and, and fire for four quarters and compete and we can execute a little better in some situations, then obviously give yourself a better chance to win. So with that, I'll open up the questions. Looking back at the film, I know you know Chris did some encouraging things. But after going back and maybe watching that film, what kind of teachable moments did you see for a young guy like that after his first action? I think you just said it. Right? Uh, obviously, there's some real positives there that you can point to. I think the biggest one is when when you read the defense properly and the ball comes out on time. I mean, football is a game of timing. It doesn't matter whether it's run game, pass game, uh, in the kicking game. You know, everything's got it. You want it to time up, right? You want to play off your back foot on your drop, deliver the ball in the right time. Uh, when we did that, it looked really good. Now, he made a few plays, uh, being able to move around and extend plays, but a lot of times that can get you into to more trouble and exposes you to you know blindside rushers and stuff like that. So you got a lot of valuable experience, did some good things. Uh, simply put, I just like the way the confidence he plays with. He plays with the confidence and other people kind of gravitate towards that and it gets other people going. Uh, but he's plenty smart enough to know that watch some clips on there and uh, yeah, yeah, there's some things they gotta do a lot better too. Coach Stoops said today that um they sent a clip to the SEC of uh, Cam Jones as one of those uh, dust-ups early in the game. Have you guys gotten any word from the conference regarding any uh, punishment or anything out of this way? Uh, I have not got official word from the conference. Also. Jeff, back to the Parson thing. Obviously, there's been a lot of mystery, of course, about who you're going to start a quarterback. That may be the same situation at A&M this week. When you begin to prepare for that, is it really more about you know, schematics and personnel, and how does that kind of factor in when you know when different guys are unavailable week to week at this point in the season? Well, that's part of it, obviously. Late in the year, you know, you're going to see different different faces. Uh, I think in that particular position, quarterback. Right, you're always you're always trying to affect that particular player the most uh, in part of your defensive game plan, and so um, you 
you want to have a large film bank of, of clips of seeing a guy so you can see, uh, try to evaluate hey, what affects him. Is it pressure? Is it coverage? Does he make some throws more often from this hash to the wide side of the field than the other hash? Uh, and so, yeah, there's a, if, you're, if you're facing a new quarterback, there's always some very variability to that. Um, but I, Johnson played a heck of a game, obviously faced him a couple times. Uh, over the course of his career, and he, that guy's a tough football player, man. He stands in there and delivers some throws and takes some shots that what you you appreciate seeing a quarterback do and deliver the ball, you know, dig routes across the middle and stuff like that. So he played a heck of a game. He's, he's had a heck of a year. I have every reason to believe if he can go, he's going to be going. Zach, obviously, with where the season's at, you guys can still qualify for a bowl game or two. And so, how do you sort of balance, you know, trying to do that while also maybe getting some of these younger guys more experience, more you know, develop them a little bit more, but you know, plan for the future, I guess. No, oh, the only objective is to win. The only objective is to win, right? So you only you only put guys out there who you feel give you a chance to win, right? Uh, we have young guys playing for us who we think do that and then obviously when you get late in the year and you start to lose some guys due to injuries or they're unavailable um, then that creates more opportunities for younger guys who are down on the depth chart but no make no mistake make no mistake about it the objective is to win games and uh, you do that by putting your best personnel on, on the field for that particular situation that doesn't change no matter what coach you've uh, taken teams to Kyle Philport is an assistant coach, a defense coordinator. Just talk about the atmosphere there and the challenge to play there. I mean, they always show up with a heck of a crowd, right? It's a great, great environment. Uh, we've got a decent number of guys on the team who obviously were there two years ago. Um, and so I'll leave it to them to explain what it's like playing in that environment to the other guys. But it, we'll have, a, I'm sure, decent number of guys on the travel squad who it is their first trip. and. They should be excited for that, but usually when you're in the in the middle of a game, you're you're so preoccupied with what's going on in the field, you don't necessarily uh, recognize the the atmosphere and the environment. As far as like you know, who you started at quarterback. Obviously, you're the head coach. But yeah, at what point during the week, and what information do you and Coach Barbe need to have to kind of say, okay, this is our guy, this is who we're going with, and how we kind of build a, a game plan around that guy? Well, I mean, in reality, I mean, in reality, we're going to see what Will's availability is this week. Uh, you know, he's, he's practicing, and he's able to do more and more and more. And so, if it's determined that he's He's able to go. He's our starting quarterback, no doubt about it. And so uh, we obviously have a few days for that to get sorted out. And then if he's unavailable to go, I have no doubt you'll see both quarterbacks in the game. Um, so the reps will reflect that accordingly in practice all week. And then uh, final game plan and, and situation obviously kind of determines Who's in there on that particular play? So, I mean, I think it's too early to to name your starter. 
How much do you feel uh, Chris has benefited the past few months or whatever, you know, since he's gotten to start Philip, having, you know, Mike and Will uh, in that quarterback room as, you know, two experienced guys to help him prepare? Uh, any, anytime, you're a, anytime you're a freshman, right, you benefit from having older guys in your position group who have experience, who you can learn from, right? And you can learn from them just by observing them, by talking to them in the film room. It is always it is always in the best interest of freshmen to learn from the older guys in their group. So yes, it has been beneficial to him. To his credit, that guy Chris is a worker. I, I, he is as passionate about learning the game of football and doing everything that he can control to prepare himself as anyone in the program. And so it has been fun to see his development. You know, he he was here in the spring, but he actually wasn't fully cleared because he was still coming off of a knee rehab, you know, an injury his senior year of high school. So while he was able to throw you know, seven on seven routes on air, he didn't get to actually scrimmage or play any of the spring game stuff. And so uh, he's done a great job of doing everything he can do to control his preparation and in the film room, extra meeting time with Coach Barbe or with Mike and Will. And so I have no doubt he'll continue to do that. You mentioned Will, excuse me, Will getting some more and more practice reps. Just what kind of boost does that maybe give some of these guys when they see him getting closer to being available to play? Well, he, he's been practicing. He's been practicing the entire time. And so uh, I guess you have to ask the players. <laughs> maybe that's a better question for the players. But I think you see a boost in, in him every He's able to do more, uh, you know, start off lighter throwing and now fully let it rip and throw every route on the route tree. And so I think uh, he gains confidence from that. And with that, yeah, imagine everyone else. Everyone else gets excited about your starting quarterback uh, potentially being able to go. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.